Hello, this is Nikdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 3rd of August. With nearly 53,000 new cases of COVID-19, the number of confirmed infections in India crossed the 18 lakh mark today. As many as 771 fresh fatalities have pushed the death toll to over 38,000. A group of 231 individuals including researchers, scientists, journalists and public health professionals have urged the Indian government to immediately release all available data on registered deaths to understand the mortality impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in India. Meanwhile, Lok Sabha MP from Tamil Nadu, Karthi Chidambaram has said that he has tested positive for COVID-19 and is currently in home quarantine. The announcement comes a day after Union Home Minister Amit Shah, Karnataka Chief Minister B.S. Yadurappa and Tamil Nadu Governor Banwari Lal Purohit said they had all contracted the disease. Also, IT and Telecom Minister Ravi Shankar Prasad has gone into self-isolation as he had met the Home Minister Amit Shah on Saturday evening. Prasad currently does not have any symptoms and the self-isolation is purely based on the existing protocol. Senior Congress leader Sashi Tharoor wondered out loud today why Amit Shah chose to get treated at a private medical facility instead of going to the state-run All India Institute of Medical Sciences. Shah has been admitted to Medanta Hospital in Gurugram. With the Ram Mandir Foundation laying ceremony scheduled for day after tomorrow, senior BJP leader Uma Bharti has said that she will travel to Ayodhya but will not attend the ceremony because of the risk of catching coronavirus. The Drug Controller General of India on Sunday granted permission to the Serum Institute of India in Pune to conduct phase 2 and phase 3 of human clinical trials of the coronavirus vaccine candidate developed by Oxford University and the pharmaceutical firm AstraZeneca. Officials said as per the study design, each subject will be administered two doses 4 weeks apart, following which safety and immunogenicity will be assessed at predefined intervals. After over 3000 covid patients went missing or were untraceable in Bengaluru last week Lucknow authorities have been unable to trace over 1100 patients of coronavirus of the nearly 2300 patients who provided wrong contact details authorities have only managed to trace 1171 patients so far An unidentified health official said that nearly 2300 people who were tested at various private and government diagnostic laboratories between July 23rd and 31st had given false names, mobile numbers and addresses. Lucknow Police Commissioner Sujit Pandey said that the police were investigating the matter. He said city hospitals and labs have now been directed to verify mobile numbers before taking samples for testing in order to keep a record of information. Meanwhile, Delhi, Maharashtra and Tamil Nadu, some of the worst hit states in the country, have started showing signs of stabilization in their active cases. However, these trends are only a few days old and can change anytime. In the case of Tamil Nadu at least, a dip in active cases has been seen earlier. But in Maharashtra, it is a completely new trend. Meanwhile, no other major state is showing any signs of a fall in active cases right now. In fact, the active cases in Andhra Pradesh, Karnataka, Bihar, Kerala, West Bengal and Uttar Pradesh have been rising rapidly in the last one month. Kerala Chief Minister Pinarayi Vijayan said that the state has witnessed a surge due to complacency. In the northeast, Nagaland has recorded a new highest single-day spike in the number of COVID-19 cases as 194 more people tested positive. The state now has crossed the 2000 mark tally. 
with reports of an increasing number of people without travel history being tested positive in the state, Manipur Legislative Assembly Speaker has said that there is transmission at the community level in the state. However, the state government and the concerned department have not declared it. The total tally in the state is close to 3,000. After M.K. Stalin expressed his disapproval of the centre's new education policy 2020 pushing for a three-language policy, Tamil Nadu Chief Minister K. Palaniswamy categorically said that the state will continue to follow the two-language policy. Calling the centre's plan as painful and saddening, the Chief Minister said that the Prime Minister should reconsider the three-language policy and allow states to implement their own policy on the subject. He said that there will not be any deviation from the two-language policy in Tamil Nadu, which has been followed for several decades. The Chief Minister's statement comes a day after Union Minister of Education Ramesh Pokhriyal said that the centre would not force any language on states. His statement is being seen as a bid to address fears amid protests in Tamil Nadu on the grounds that the policy allegedly imposed Hindi and Sanskrit. Meanwhile, in Pakistan, on Sunday afternoon, Dawn, a leading news channel, was hacked by anonymous hackers during a commercial break. Suddenly, the image of an Indian flag appeared on the screen with a happy Independence Day message. The flag and the message stayed on the screen for a while before disappearing. The incident went viral on social media and clips of the broadcast were circulated on Twitter. Soon after the incident, Dawn News issued a statement saying, and I quote, The Dawn administration has ordered an immediate investigation into the matter. The agency is investigating the matter and will inform its viewers as soon as it reaches a final conclusion. Unquote. In July, the website of the Director General of Public Relations of Pakistan-occupied Kashmir was hacked. In a message posted on the website, the Imran Khan administration was accused of human rights violations in the area. On July 31st, the cybercrime police in Srinagar had detained Kazi Shibli, a journalist and the editor of the Kashmiriyat. Since then, Shibli has remained in police custody. He had reportedly received a phone call asking him to present himself at the cyber police station the same day. Free Press Kashmir reported that his family waited outside for over eight hours before being told that Shibli had been detained. A police official at the police station told the Kashmirwala, and I quote, We were told by seniors to keep him in custody and don't know the reasons. Unquote. Shibli had previously been detained for nine months in prison under the Public Safety Act. He was held without a trial after he tweeted an official order regarding the deployment of additional paramilitary troops across the region. According to Free Press Kashmir, the charges were revoked this April when jails were decongested due to the pandemic. The Kashmiriyat had released a statement on July 31st on Shibli's detention, condemning these constant attacks on the fourth pillar of democracy and those who were trying to preserve the essence of it. The statement added, and I quote, Kazi Shibli, our editor, had recently got threat calls from some unknown numbers regarding one of the stories published in the Kashmiriyat. He reported the incident to local police officials. The Kashmiriyat team awaits our editor's safe and secure return, unquote. The Committee to Protect Journalists had also condemned Shibli's detention, calling for the police to immediately release him. Stephen Butler, CPJ's Asia Programme Coordinator in Washington, D.C., said, and I quote again, Indian authorities must end their harassment of journalists and allow them to do their jobs without interference, unquote. At this point, dear listeners, I'd like to remind you that India slipped down two points on the World Press Freedom Index this year to score a 142 out of 180. News Laundry has been consistently highlighting various instances of attacks on press freedom in our country. 
Go to our website newslaundry.com and head to the media section. You'll see a whole bunch of reports on the issue there. Now, as all of you know, press freedom is inextricably linked to a healthy democracy. So as citizens, it is time for you to step in to execute your duties and rights. Support independent media organizations, support people who tell you the truth, because telling the truth, as you can see, is an expensive affair. And that is exactly why News Laundry was born. We are an independent media organization that is 100% free of advertisements. We realize that as long as there are advertisers and sponsors in the middle, media cannot be truly free. Subscribe to us and subscribe to other independent media outlets. The best way to show that you care is by helping small organizations like ours survive in this world dominated by legacy media. And now for some international updates. Over 18 million COVID-19 infections have been recorded so far around the world, including close to 690,000 deaths. Figures have shown that July was the worst month of the pandemic so far for many countries, with more than 8 million cases recorded, nearly as many as the first six months of the outbreak put together. A White House expert has said that the US is currently in a new phase of the outbreak, with infections widespread in rural areas as well as cities. The country has hit 4.68 million cases with more than 155,000 deaths reported. In fact, the United States reported a record 1.87 million cases in July, more than twice the figure for the previous record month when 860,000 new cases were reported. Meanwhile, the media will be banned from the Republican convention due to coronavirus restrictions. The media will reportedly not be allowed to witness Donald Trump's formal renomination as the Republican Party's choice for president at its national convention scheduled for later this month. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has announced that the government will introduce a pandemic leave payment for workers who have run out of sick leave but need to be quarantined because they have been directed to stay at home due to the novel coronavirus. The announcement came as the country is dealing with a second wave of infections. The second most populous state, Victoria, has closed retail shops, limited construction projects and curtailed manufacturing activity in order to slow down the spread. German Health Minister Jens Spahn has announced that mandatory testing of travellers returning to Germany from countries with a high risk of COVID-19 infection will take effect later this week. A BBC Persian service investigation has found that the number of deaths from coronavirus in Iran is nearly triple of what the Iran government claims. The government's own records appear to show that almost 42,000 people died with COVID-19 symptoms up to July 20th versus the 14,405 that were reported by its health authorities. The number of people known to be infected is also almost double of the official figures. However, the official numbers still make Iran the worst-hit country in the Middle East. Moving on, the Nobel Peace Prize winner and prominent Northern Ireland politician John Hume has died at the age of 83. He died in a Londonderry nursing home following a long period of illness. One of the highest-profile politicians in Northern Ireland for more than 30 years, Hume had helped create the climate that brought in an end to the Troubles. He was one of the founding members of the Socialist Democratic and Labour Party, or SDLP, in 1970 and went on to lead the party from 79 till 2001. Hume played a major role in the peace talks which led to the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. The former SDLP leader was widely admired for his steadfast commitment to peaceful, democratic politics during the three decades of violence in Northern Ireland. The Troubles marked a period of ethno-nationalist conflict in Northern Ireland during the late 20th century. The conflict began in the late 1960s and is usually deemed to have ended with the Good Friday Agreement of 1998. 
Although the troubles primarily took place in Northern Ireland, at times the violence spilled over into parts of the Republic of Ireland, England and mainland Europe. The conflict was mainly political and nationalistic, fueled by historical events. It also had an ethnic or sectarian dimension, but despite the use of terms Protestant and Catholic to refer to the two sides, it was not really a religious conflict. And now for some homegrown stuff from Newslaundry.com. Something is happening in the lower half of TV news screens across India. The run of tickers, once around-the-clock news update feature, is now either becoming infrequent or has completely vanished from the frames of TV news channels. There might be editorial or technical explanations for this change, but the curtailment or even the disappearance of tickers reveals the low priority that Indian news channels give to the dissemination of information. The diminished role of tickers is, for instance, evident in leading English news channels like Times Now, Republic, NDTV, India Today and CNN News 18 to name a few. Here, it is relevant to remember that ever since Republic was launched in May 2017, the channel has not found any use for tickers on its screen. So, with Republic, it is not a question of the frequency or proportion of tickers. The channel has simply dispensed with the idea of running tickers. One is tempted to ask whether Republic's ticker-free approach has nudged other English news channels to reconfigure their screens. In other words, has Republic catalyzed a process that was already underway in English news channels? The fading away and eventual disappearance of tickers? To find out more, do read Anand Vardhan's piece titled In Defense of the Now Vanishing Ticker on TV News Screens. You'll find the piece on newslaundry.com. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.